You're listening to Q&A Over Coffee. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for obtaining accounting, tax, or financial advice from a professional accountant. I grew up in South Dakota, but I was born in California. So that's a long story, but uh, yeah, South Dakota's home. Where in South Dakota? Mitchell. Mitchell. Oh, I'm Corn Palace. Very say, good. Yeah. <laughs> There's some pheasant hunting to be done out there too, I think. Yeah, we still do a little bit of that. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we still own some land out there, so. Good for you. It's nice. It's a great place to escape. So how long have you guys been doing this, by the way? This is podcast. our first. We've had, well, okay, so when COVID I'm, hit, yeah. uh, we did a like a live Q&A session similar to this, and we covered a lot of the PPP loan stuff. We were getting a lot of questions coming in, a lot of stuff. Um, and then that sort of, like after that kind of went to the wayside, we um, we did more like business-related topics, but it's just our professionals started to get worn down, and uh, so we kind of put it on a standstill, and then we, we decided that pre-recording this might be the way to do it, so we kicked it up again. So this is actually the first in the series of okay. podcast well, topics, so <laughs> inaugural. Don't screw it up. Post-COVID. <laughs> How I often know. do we say that anymore? Uh, right. Yeah. Welcome to the first episode of Olson Thielen's Q&A Over Coffee podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hennen. In the room with me is Dan Owens, Tom Pesh, and Val Arndt. Dan, you're on a mic. Go ahead and say hi. Hi, everyone. Dan Owens, Olson Thielen. Uh, this is our first recording. Happy to visit with you. Today we are uh, joined by Doug Loon, President and CEO of the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce. The Minnesota Chamber of Commerce represents more than 2,300 Minnesota companies, and we are excited to have Doug on the podcast to share his experiences and insight on today's topic, one that is increasingly relevant in the economic climate we are living in, managing your business through uncertainty. Doug, you uh, go ahead and feel free to expand and, and uh, say hello to the listeners. All right. Uh, great to be with you, uh, team, here at Olson Thielen. It's uh, terrific to be part of this program, and I'm honored to be invited. So, Doug, um, obviously you're you're tied in heavily with businesses. So, what uh, maybe let's just paint the landscape on what we were seeing as far as uncertainties go facing our businesses. Yeah, I mean, we go out and visit with our members um, through a number of channels. Uh, many times, I've been out on the road the last two weeks, pretty much straight through, uh, out meeting with our members, listening to them. But we also have ways that they connect with us via surveys and committees, uh, road shows that we do. Um, we do our own, you know, virtual meetings as well. And, and that narrative of uncertainty, which is your topic for today's podcast, I think is very appropriate because uncertainty is the greatest challenge to businesses because they can't plan and successful businesses that have a business plan are able to execute across it are the ones that many times are the most successful and uncertainty, whether it comes from regulations or taxation or the economy or how engagement with government is occurring can really threaten that certainty that businesses desire in order for them to execute their their business plan so they can be successful. And that's ultimately the goal of any business is to provide success and be rewarded for it and to make sure they have the capability of reaching consumers as well as their workforce. And uncertainty is that that thing that prevents them from fully executing their plan. Yeah. 
the big rock, especially for businesses that have been up and running, but for the smaller, you know, the small business owners, the sole practitioner owners, um, that's probably not even something they're anticipating until all of a sudden it, it hits them hard. That's right. So. Sometimes these things are occurring and they don't even know it and then they can't anticipate it. Uh, so it's the fear of the unknown many times right. that's out there lurking in the dark. And, you know, we, we are, uh, we engage, you know, extensively in the, really in the, the cross paths of business engagement and government engagement as well. And that can really be the fruit of many times those, those um, laws of unintended consequences as it relates to the business climate. And that's a big issue right now at the legislature that we're facing is, how uncertain will the future be for Minnesota businesses as they roll out a host of new regulations, mandates, and taxes? Uh, we're very concerned about the future of Minnesota's economy and the uncertainty that surrounds it. So what, what, are, the, what are the big ticket items in your mind that are going to probably hit businesses here in the near future? Well, I ticked off kind of three broad areas, new regulations, uh, mandates alongside those, and then uh, several new tax proposals that are that are percolating today. And I know we're taping this on a day when a lot is gonna be happening in the coming days. Um, so between now and when this airs, I think we're gonna learn a lot more about what what will transpire at the legislature as they wrap up here by May 22nd is their required adjournment date. There's speculation they may actually end earlier than that. Sure. Yeah, that's a, I know it's a challenge for our, our tax professionals is just staying on top of the ever-changing climate that comes out of uh, Minnesota legislature and even the federal government for that standpoint. Right. So you you asked, uh, you know, what are some of the big items? First and foremost, we're looking at two tax bills uh, that will come together in the coming days and we'll make it to the governor's desk. Um, that's kind of alongside a series of omnibus bills from everything from labor to health care to environment to a host of new regulations. The big one that we're uh, that we're looking at Will there be some type of capital gains increases proposed by the governor? Will there be a fifth tier as proposed by the House? Will this thing called worldwide reporting come into effect that will hit companies that do business overseas? All these are lingering out there that are significant tax increases at a time when most of us know we're running almost an $18 billion budget surplus. And I will point out footnote, ninth year in a row we've had a budget surplus and here we are talking about tax increases so what is happening is we're seeing double digit increases in spending in order to accommodate that long that that new spending long term they're actually calculating in new tax increases so the question now is what do those tax increases look like and what will make it to the governor's desk and will he actually sign them yeah. it's crazy crazy and frustrating from uh, from my, i imagine every business owner standpoint yeah because a lot of these for example the fifth tier Let's just use that one as an, as an example. If you're a pass-through company paying on your individual return, um, that fifth tier means a, means a great deal to you and your business. So a lot of legislators, when they think about a fifth tier, they're thinking about you know the highest of wealth individuals, wealthy individuals. What they many times just simply don't understand is that's small businesses. Those are businesses that have employees that are trying to reach you know, uh, an opportunity to be successful, and this will really put them in a tough position. So when I advise my clients through situations like this, well, you know, one of our strategies is to, to try and cash plan, um, especially with the small businesses. Cash means everything. If you don't have the cash, can't pay the bills. And all of a sudden you have to anticipate a large tax bill because of some change you weren't made aware of. Um, and so one of our goal homes is to 
prepare yourself a good financial statement and then project that out over the next year and sort of scenario plan through that. So if the tax rate goes up, you know, you help uh, project that out, see what your cash requirements are going to be, and then try and adjust your business model accordingly. Daniel, uh, you're here. What Do you have any suggestions on that as well? Uh, one of the best suggestions is to visit with your CPA, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Good plug. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's of utmost most, most importance to uh, be on top of your budgeting for both, you know, revenue and expense budget as well as your capital expenditure budget. Uh, there still are some certainties with the uh, bonus depreciation, at least at a federal level. Um, right now it's uh, 80%. Um, so some of those things are, are known, and, and you can help you can help plan, mitigate some of those risks. Certainly the thing that's going to be, you know, certainly of utmost uh, challenge for any organization is dealing with the uh, workforce issues and the so-called uh, kind of demographic cliff that we're all, all riding. And um, lots of professions are impacted, probably almost every profession is impacted by that, unfortunately. Um, what are you hearing just from the, you know, the economist or the demographer? Demographer? Demographers. <laughs> <laughs> regarding workforce trends in the next, you know, 5 10 years. Yeah, this is this is the uh the demographic cliff and we've seen it coming. This has been on the horizon for a number of years. We have been drawing attention to it and here we are. It's today. And for our projections and we this is not the chamber's projections, it's the projections of the state demographer. And uh if you ever had a chance to hear Susan Brower, make sure you do it. She is a uh, a very good speaker with great content. We did a program with her just a few months ago with our Women in Business program, and she uh, really laid it out uh, with the latest data coming from the census, and it's constantly being adjusted. And the reality is this is a uh, not just a problem for Minnesota, but for our country, but we seem to be in a little worse position than a lot of other states because of our aging demographic, and because we're not replacing ourselves as fast as we once did because our domestic migration is actually in a losing position right now. And when coupled with limited global immigration to Minnesota, we're in a negative growth position. And that's a concern. Um, it is interesting, if you think back to the last census, which was just wrapped up, um, and, they re and they redid the congressional boundaries, and uh, we were really expecting to lose a congressional seat. And we narrowly were able to hold on to uh, our eighth congressional seat, meaning uh, we, weren't, we weren't as declining a population as we were anticipating, but we were still declining. And um, if it weren't for global migration to Minnesota, um, we would have lost a congressional seat. There's no doubt about that. Um, but with new policies at the federal level, we are seeing a um, decline, if you will, of, of the traditional legal migration to Minnesota, and that has hurt our position, which is one of the reasons we work on global immigration policy, excuse me, national immigration policy at the federal level um, at, to uh, help us assure that that system is a bit more workable and is supporting the business community, which it arguably currently is not. So to answer your question, Dan, yes, we are, have our demographic cliff, and and we as a state need to think hard about how do we make this place an affordable, attractive place to live? How do we make sure that we're able to keep people uh, inside the, the workforce as much as possible? Uh, in other words, getting everybody who is, uh, you know, could be in the economy, working in the economy. So there are strategies around that. And how do we increase productivity so that we can have economic growth in the absence of a full workforce? And so those are some key strategies we at the chamber are thinking about that we'll be rolling out later in May 
And uh, we hope that we can get support, not just from the business community, but the population generally and the legislature, as well as the governor's office. Uh, talk a little more about the workforce uh, in terms of the, uh, the federal and the national policy. Um, do you work together with other state cham- chambers or the U.S. Chamber of Commerce? How do you kind of uh, formulate that? Um, yeah, there, we, uh, policy perspective? it's from, well, we do it from two practices. One, it, one is what are the things that we can do programmatically as a state uh, or as communities or as a business community to attract and retain the best capable workforce we can and train up that workforce. So a lot of best practices around what are those things that work well to train that existing workforce and make sure we're bringing folks off of the sidelines of the economy into gainful employment so that we can continue to grow our economy. So we learn from others all around the country, Um, other state chambers, other chambers of commerce, other trade associations. Yes, we look at our national partners, that's both the National Association of Manufacturers and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce for guidance on what are some of those uh, regulatory or policy considerations we can be making what are some of those programs that are working elsewhere in the country so we can deploy those here in Minnesota? Because if we don't do it well here, we're in a losing end of the deal. Uh, other states, if you look around the country, are doing better on population growth. And they aren't the states you would normally think, oh, we're thinking Florida or Texas. No, it's some mountain west states. Uh, there's south uh, states in the Carolinas, southeastern states that have seemed to have figured out that they can have amenities and, and a favorable cost climate and a favorable business climate to attract and retain workers. Um, and we have some states in, in um, the northern part of the country too. It's not just cold versus warm states or southern versus northern states or western states versus kind of flyover states. It's, it's a really interesting mix of states that are growing right now. And Minnesota needs to study that and think about how do we attract that workforce? How do we train that workforce and making sure we got a full labor force participation rate that we need to grow our economy. Adam, I think we should maybe uh, touch upon a little bit, you know, the, the concerns with the uh, the banking industry and uh, getting availability, financing, interest rates, those types of things. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, obviously uh, the headlines all of last year and I think a good portion of this year are going to only show that interest rates are climbing. And so, you know, one of the one of the preventative strategies I, I try to advise clients on is that if you don't have your banking lined up to anticipate cash flow needs, you know, lines of credits and stuff like that, you should really visit with your banker and get that stuff sorted out. And and you might even think that, you know, with the rates as high as they are already, you're maybe behind the wheel on that. But um, with the everything that I'm reading is only showing that they're looking to continue to increase those rates. And so getting in front of your banker even now is not too late. So um, making sure that you have the financing needs available is a, is a great, in my mind, a great way to uh, position your business so that if you do have to react to some of the changes that Doug's talking about, um, you're able to do that, whether you need you know, cash draws to supply your business with the materials they need or um, to maybe cover some payroll on some instant hiring or, or workforce issues, you know, whatever you have to address that's going to require a financial output. Um, make sure you get your banking relationship figured out. But, you know, Doug, one of the things, you know, you, you obviously covered several different things that are, are uncertainties for business. How does a business, uh, you know, number one, become aware of this or what, what should they dial into? If I'm a sole practitioner, I own my own business. You know, I'm busy managing my sales. I'm managing my expenses. I'm trying to supply things, you know, get my customers in line. I don't have time to read the headlines every day. So what's the, you know, what's your suggestion for those small business owners that, you know, how do they dial into all of this stuff that you're working on and, 
that yeah. they really need to be aware of. I think it's a key ingredient. I think it's a real fundamental question of how do they leverage their time, right? And be aware of what's going on and weigh in where you think you can make a difference. And that sometimes is one of our greatest challenges of a democracy is complacency. And the challenge, as you just described, business owners are really busy uh, running their business, uh, finding clients, attracting a workforce, producing a product, bringing it to market, marketing it. All those things take time and energy. The reality is these uncertainties that are out there right now are very real. And the more engaged business leaders are, business owners, managers of businesses are in their process that surrounds their community, the better that community can be to, to be successful. So as we engage in this, our effort is to inform the business community. And the reality is uh, for businesses to be where they typically get their news is becoming more and more challenging to find, you know, straightforward, factual news used to come from their local newspaper, right? Or their local radio station. And the reality is those are becoming fewer and fewer, uh, especially with local content. Um, and so it, I think it's really critical that businesses find a reliable partner, a reliable source of information that's timely and that can mobilize them and leverage their time. So join your local chamber, join your state chamber of commerce, my organization, join any other trade association that will, can aggregate the information in a way that is useful to you and then use that as a way to connect with your, with your elected officials, whether it be local, um, county, state, or federal, because your voice is really, really important. Because if they don't hear from you, they're probably hearing from folks that probably are less interested in the success of your business. I just, I just love when you indicated, you know, um, you know, companies that are busy, they're, they're absorbed, they're working in their business, not necessarily on their business. Um, the Minnesota Chamber, I'm a little plug for you, uh, does an outstanding job of marketing resources to the business community. You've already mentioned a couple things. Uh, for instance, every day I receive, every weekday, a email in the morning from, called Morning Digest. Yes. And you're talking about news, and that's compilation of news from both metro and outstate Minnesota of, of big, you know, things impacting communities and, and regions of our state on a daily basis. Uh, some days I get to read in depth on the articles, other days I don't, but it's, it's awesome that it comes out every day. So those days that I do have some more free time, I can kind of scrub some of those articles that are provided. So that's a tremendous resource. Uh, you just talked about women in business. I love going to the women in business events, and I don't get to them too often, but maybe once a year. I think the last one I went to was actually at uh, Allianz Field, and uh, Sherry Ballard yeah. and Kendrick yeah. D. St. Alban were the, the host. Uh, ironically enough, I was there last night to uh, watch the Loons play, and that's why I'm drinking water today because I had a couple IPAs there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a great place to catch a game and, and a beer. It's a yeah. terrific venue. Yeah. Uh, I was a little disappointed at the late start time. It started about 825, but s still still here here today, bright and chipper. So, you know, during COVID, uh, I really thought that the chamber excelled in, in getting uh, resources out and a lot of webinars and just um, kind of white papers and, and, and things to help um, help businesses kind of get through all that uncertainty. Um, can you t just touch on any other, you know, resources or outreach that, that the chamber is doing that, that might be worthwhile for, for our listeners, whether they're a member or they're not a member? Yeah, um, thank you, Dan. Those are some very nice plugs. Our first goal is to keep them informed. So that Morning Digest is, is, has an amazing open rate. And we've been doing it for quite a number of years, very successfully, and we do it in-house, by the way. So we have a team that get up really early and, and go through all the papers, national, uh, state, and local, to kind of give you the top line. And we, we provide you with just enough of the article 
um, and then a link to get the whole thing so you can get your news very quickly. And that and that's what you know we do. We try to inform our members and then we try to keep them connected. But there's a footnote to that. We do a golf outing as well. So there's there's one event that we do that I'll, is I'll see you at that. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, we're coming up soon. It's in June and it sells out like in a day. It's amazing. Um, but it's it is the one event we do that's that's truly social and keeps people together. It gets us all outdoors to enjoy one of Minnesota's great golf courses. But everything else that we do is is really information driven to inform, educate, and then ultimately mobilize our members around key things that we think uh, we think that they tell us are important to us. And this leads me to my last point, which is we listen to our members uh, and we do it through a number of ways to really build that consensus around the things that they want us to work on with them to improve Minnesota's business performance around the belief and we do believe it. We are not meeting our state's economic potential right now. We believe we can do better. We as a state have a lot of attributes, a lot of amazing capabilities of our diverse economy, our incredible, innovative uh, businesses that, that bring new products to market, new systems and new productivity all the time, coupled with our amazing workforce where there are some challenges. We can do better in these areas that will increase our economic performance and our competitiveness, not just here in the United States, but around the globe where we've always been strong. So we have a lot to be proud of in Minnesota. We want to make Minnesota proud of the business community. We want that business community to be growing here and be prosperous here. And we want to build on those strengths so we have a strong future for our state. You know, I'm going to, Dan obviously gave uh, Minnesota Chamber some really good recognition, but I like that you also called out getting involved with your local chambers. And I know uh, we have several CPAs in our firm that sit on the boards of some of those local chambers. My Myself, for example, I'm on with the board with the uh, White Bear Area Chamber of Commerce. And, and we do a lot of sharing of information that you send out as well. So if you're not a member of the Minnesota Chamber, your local chamber likely has that information and we'll be sharing that with you. So staying in touch with the chambers is, is really important as far as just being aware of what's going on out there, that things that are going to impact your business. Um, and then as Dan mentioned too, you know, have that conversation with your tax accountants because the tax law is ever changing and, uh, you know, the different laws and regulations that come out will impact your business. So having those conversations will help you plan for that. So Doug, we talk about, uh, workforce shortages, um, any recommendations on how you handle or how a business owner should, uh, you know, things to consider, I guess, in, in tackling workforce shortage issues. Yeah. And when I went out and when I go out and visit with our members, uh, I hear all the time about you know innovative approaches to attract and retain a workforce, and they do it many times by being the employer of choice, you know wages, benefits, work conditions, you know creating new tools to uh, to find new workers, new pools of workers, uh, and you can do that with a diversity strategy. You can do it with a veterans hiring strategy. You could do it around hiring people with disabilities. There's a lot of strategies out there around attracting a kind of a new grouping of workers to your business. Um, in addition to that though, businesses have been looking harder at how do I deploy new resources into my business to, to build productivity. You know, productivity comes from workforce or investing in new technology to get productivity that creates business growth. So in the absence of a workforce, which is a pretty hard reality, um, or success in finding a new grouping of workers, uh, you, you, you're going to have to invest in new technology. And that could be anything from new systems uh, that builds efficiencies or through uh, investments in 
uh, in new systems such as robotics. Um, and we're seeing that all across the board. Manufacturers in particular have been doing this for many years, but also we're seeing it more in hospitality and in, in healthcare. All things that can not replace workers, but better utilize workers. So you got to pair that up with new skilling, new training of your existing workforce, and investments in new technology. And that investment is many times very expensive, but it's a reality that businesses are going to face if they're going to remain competitive and reach their business goals, their business plans. So my recommendation to them is where can you invest today? Where can you invest tomorrow, both in your workforce as well as new technologies that can be deployed? And what kind of opportunities are there out there to leverage assistance, whether it be through the tax code or other grants that may be available or just sheer investing in in partnerships with other companies that could bring and introduce new systems, new technologies. So there's a lot that can be done there. And I think it's absolutely imperative businesses do this because this reality around workforce is here to stay for the next decade. And for us to be competitive, we're going to have to, be, have to invest in, in. So we're asking the legislature, what can we do to support that? Are there investment strategies Are there that, that government can do in businesses to make sure that they're investing in themselves so that they can grow and reach productivity goals and their economic growth strategies? That's great. I'm going to break down what you just said in, in a couple different things. So number one, if you are a business that is targeting uh, a diverse workforce, there is still the work opportunity tax credit that's out there and available. Um, there's a number of qualifications that go into that. We won't go through those uh, right now, but certainly reach out to your tax accountant or advisor and they can they can help you and what you need to do to take advantage of that. The second piece is, is you mentioned you know leveraging technology, which a lot of business owners equate to automation. And yes, can sometimes have a high dollar spend, but I, I believe you can also do a lot of things that are not necessarily high dollar spend. Um, automation comes in a lot of different forms and, and some of it is just leveraging technology you already have, but using it in a different process. Things like, you know, Microsoft Excel and, and um, how you market to your customers or leveraging, you know, those kind of softwares in a way that you aren't currently leveraging. You know, that's all automation if you if you revise and change how you're doing things to be more efficient. And so, um, you know, a lot of business owners hear automation and they get scared by, oh, that means I got to invest thousands of dollars that I don't have. That's not necessarily what it means. It, it just means taking a step back, looking at how you're doing business and finding a way to do it better. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of tips and tricks that you can uh, pick up, you know, some of it going and networking with, you know, a lot of the different networking events that Minnesota Chamber puts on and, and seeing what other manufacturers are doing, how or, or even business owners, not just manufacturing, but professional services, other industries, you know, there's a lot of common practices at play and, um, you know, talking to other business owners through these networking events, you can pick up a lot of things that you maybe aren't doing that that would make your business better. So. Right. Those investments can go a long way. But as I said, it has to be paired with a, with a workforce that knows how to use it. And that's why I say skilling up your workforce. So if you let's say you invest in a new Excel program and you don't have the have the workers capable of deploying it, uh, you got to train up your workforce or, or make some changes. So that's a reality it always and that's what we sometimes we hear from politicians like oh you know automation is just going to replace the workforce no it's a different type of workforce and so you take that existing workforce and you retrain it reskill it for that investment so you can put it all to use in a, in a really positive way that actually grows the business supplement the workforce not right. replace right yeah exactly. I, I like supplement because at the end of the day with the demographic cliff and the and the, the shortages you might need to find you know 1.25 or 5.75 or 12.3, you know, 25 FTEs. And technology is going to be one of the ways that you can supplement to to kind of replace some of those FTEs that we might just be able to find with the market. So the goal is 
find those best practices from your peers and then go talk to your CPA about how you're going to afford it. There you go. <laughs> Great. Well, as we uh, near kind of the end of, of our time here, um, we're going to, we're going to end, I think for the most part with the same question with everybody we have on this uh, podcast. And that is what, what's in your cup and how you answer this can, uh, can vary. It, it can be what you like to drink, what kind of coffee you like, what you got going in your personal life, what kind of Netflix show is, is new and hot. Um, other things you might want uh, your listeners to know. A shout out to your mom for her birthday today. Oh, you, you spoiled it right there. <laughs> so yeah, today is my mom's birthday. So shout out to Ella Loon in Plymouth, Minnesota for her. I won't, I won't tell what age she is because she'd be really upset with me if I said that. So um, yeah, love you, mom. The rest of my cup is filled up with the work that we do at the chamber uh, and my family. So uh, the work that we do at the chamber is very meaningful. We're a purpose-driven organization designed around helping Minnesota be successful. And what do we do it's to address that, what's standing in the way of that success and promoting what helps us really launch a state into the, into the future. And that's rewarding work. And we talked a little bit about the day, the programming, but it's also about the people behind it. I have this terrific uh, staff that uh, I'm blessed to have who work really hard every day uh, to be successful. I'm leaving here and headed to the Capitol and I'm gonna see our policy team up there who are lobbying really hard right now to, uh, to mitigate bad things from happening and to make sure we're promoting the state in a way that creates a, a variable um, economic future for our state. To our events teams, to our Grow Minnesota teams we talked about, we have these two programs called WasteWise and Energy Smart that does conservation work uh, with businesses helping them save money and, and create a green agenda for themselves. Really an amazing uh, group of true professionals that I'm blessed to be around. And then it's our members. And that's really, really where I get a lot of my energy from. We have a terrific um, uh, group of members that support us. Uh, the folks that are volunteer leaders in the organization uh, Olson Thielen has ran a lot of people through our, our organization in various ways, through our leadership programs and through volunteer leadership. We can't do what we do without great leaders uh, supporting us uh, from their businesses and, and, their, and their support for the organization through membership. So that's what keeps my, my cup full. And then my family, I just got this terrific family that allows me to do some of this fun work and, uh, and support me in that way as well. So that's what keeps me going. That's great. That's perfect. Um, Dan, any, uh, any last words? From you well we were talking off air and uh for, for 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 a person who's got the last name of loon i mean you have to live in minnesota so uh talk about off air how, how how you ended up migrating to minnesota but yeah if you got a last name loon you got to be you got to be in the state where you know the when, loon I, when is I was hired part. the uh, pioneer press wrote a piece on my hiring and it's a, an appropriate name for the state chamber uh leader and it yeah it's uh it, it is kind of a fitting uh last name for the for the state and we moved here, um, and it wasn't because the name was a good fit. As as, as we uh, we just appreciate Minnesota; and it's a great place to live and, and raise a family. And uh, uh, I'm proud to be here and have a, a last name of the state bird is kind of cool too. Goldoons. Uh, lastly, this is a little bit more professional. Um, once this session gets over, what kind of resources do you anticipate the chamber just having to for all of its members to digest all? these changes yeah. that are coming. This is, this is a, a topic that's a growing internal conversation because we do these webinars, we do events. We'll be putting out a lot of publications to help businesses know what's now in front of them. Many of the proposals that they're considering, like this paid family and medical leave, which is going to be up for a vote in the, in the coming days, um, should they pass it in its current form, is going to be significant, not only in a, as a tax on business, but new regulations that will affect HR policies at every, at every business not just private businesses, municipalities and nonprofits as well. 
Um, and so we'll be rolling out, anticipating that it, some form of it does pass um, to make sure businesses know the, the timing of it because it will kick in over a period of time. So that as that ramps up, as the tax kicks in, as the new mandates on paid leave kicks in, we'll make sure that businesses are informed because ultimately it's about compliance too. And so we'll help with those, whether it be tax provisions, new regulations, new mandates, uh, we will work hard to make sure our members are aware of what's coming at them and how they can best be prepared. That's fantastic, great to hear, thank you. Well, it goes without saying, um, we loved having you here. Thank you for sharing your time and uh, your experience with you know, what's going on in the business climate, the, the economic climate. Uh, for the listeners out there, um, we'll have our next uh, podcast topics coming to you soon. So um, find your way to Olson Thielen's website and uh, we look forward to having you on our next session. Check out all of our podcast episodes on our Q&A Over Coffee page on our website. You can also listen to this podcast on SoundCloud or Stitcher. And be sure to follow Olson Thielen on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.